And thank you so much for joining us for season two, episode four of our Living Leadership Series. My name is Emily Clay, and I am the webinar and podcast producer here in the School of Leadership Studies. And I'm joined today by my co-host, Kelsey Solberg, and our two lovely guests, Tara Weir and Amber McKenzie. Um, this season is all about building better communities, and each of our podcasts are actually follow-up conversations to live webinars that air on Select Wednesdays each month. During the webinars, we focus on how each of these topics are applied in relation to workplace environments. And during this podcast time, we focus more heavily on how each topic is applied outside of the workplace, in our personal communities, with our friends and family, etc. So I also want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. We have two platinum presenting sponsors this season, Integris Architecture and STCU, and our two bronze sponsors, Canopy Credit Union and Stevens Clay Law Firm. We couldn't do this without you, and we are so, so thankful of your support of the series. Um, it allows us the opportunity to offer the webinars and podcasts free of charge to our community and to recruit all of these amazing presenters to be with us. And it's a real testament to each of your organizations that they're willing to invest back in our community in this way. So thanks again to all of our sponsors. And um, let's get started. Today, we're going to be talking about living your best life, authentic leadership in action with Tara Weir and Amber McKenzie. And I'm also joined by my co-host, Kelsey Solberg, as I mentioned, who is the Director of Professional and Community Engagement in the School of Leadership Studies at Gonzaga. Um, Tara and Amber just had a fabulous conversation during our live webinar where they talked about this topic in a workplace setting and how to deal with different aspects of authentic leadership in the workplace. So you can find that recording for the webinar on our website, gonzaga.edu slash webinars, if you're interested. But we can't wait to use this time to follow up on some of the things that they touched on and also talk about how this topic applies to us on a day-to-day -day basis with other relationships in our lives, like friends and family. So before I go any further, I'm gonna introduce our guests. First, we have Tara, who for nearly three decades has lived her passion by helping business leaders and their teams bring their best to meetings, give phenomenal presentations, and strengthen their conversations to develop trustworthy work environments and foster collaboration. She has trained and coached countless professionals from top-notch organizations such as Washington Trust Bank, Avista, and Boeing, just to name a few. Tara hosted the Living Leadership podcast series last year, some of you may remember her, and is also a mentor for our certificate students, so she's actively engaging with community leaders on vital topics. With a master's in applied behavioral science and the owner of Powerful Connections Now, Tara equips professionals with the skills and mindset needed to excel in today's, in today's world, both in and out of the workplace. And Tara will be joined today by Amber McKenzie, who is a dynamic and enthusiastic leader committed to conscious communication and transformational teamwork mixed with adventure. She's currently an assistant dean of global education and strategic partnerships at the community colleges of Spokane, and she's been in the field of international education for over 25 years. She spent 14 years at Gonzaga University, where she worked with ESL, MA, TESL, International Student and Scholar Services, Gonzaga in Florence, and the Center for Global Engagement, and also graduated from the School of Leadership Studies, MA, and Communication Leadership Studies. Throughout her life, she has been the single most powerful force creating, travel has been the single most powerful force creating out of comfort zone situations that were necessary for her personal and spiritual growth. 
She also bought, published, and edited a natural holistic living magazine for Spokane and Coraline region for five years and reveled in the natural healing and spiritual communities where she's still very involved. Amber has two strong and independent-minded daughters and loves being their servant leader mom. Mm. So welcome back, you two. Uh, we have a lot to get to, but I want to start off by saying great job at the webinar once again. And for those of you who haven't had a chance to watch the webinar yet, um, Tara and Amber talked a lot about the importance of being your authentic self and how to do that on a daily basis in a workplace environment. And as we start to switch gears a little to focus on our topic outside of the workplace, uh, we thought it would be interesting to start by identifying what it really means to be your authentic self. What does that look like and, and feel like to really have your outward authenticity match your core identity, really? And because so many people struggle with expressing themselves openly and figuring out who they really are. We, before, before we dig any deeper, I'd love to, I guess, start out by asking an extremely deep question of <laughs> kind of a definition of your authentic self and how each of you would define that. Tara, do you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so the way that I think of authentic self or our um best self, I think they're, they're in one in the same is I think of it as a true self. So I think of authentic being authentic as showing up in truly who we are. Um, so it's coming from a place of actually love instead of a place of fear. Uh, I think we are either in fear or we are in love. We're either expressing it or we're calling for it. Um, but I, I really think of authenticity as being in tune with what's real for us, what's true. Um, it's about naming our experience and um, being willing to be in that regardless of the discomfort, um, but being, being our true selves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, for me, being authentic, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just, it's almost like appreciating who you are, because, you know, for, for me, I think growing up in any culture, really, any, anywhere, we're told from the outside who we are or who we should be. You know, our, our parents do that. Their parents did that to them. It's just, you know, our ancestors, you know, they were probably told who they are. And um, it, it's really hard for humans to just know themselves and to be okay with that because we have all these other messages that are telling us different things, right? Like we're told that we shouldn't be who we are because how that is, is uncomfortable for, you know, someone else, for example. And so, so what I've learned, I'm 47. So it's taken for, you know, it's taken over 40 years to figure it out, um, is who I am is really what's in inside of me and, and doesn't really have anything to do with what's out here, honestly, like that's kind of how I have to look at it. Because if I looked at it from what's out here and what's what the outside is telling me or how I should be, um, I would probably go crazy. And I did go crazy for a while, you know? So, so for me now, I believe every single human life, um, every single unique individual is their own ministry of authenticity, or it could be, 
And what you bring to the world is unique and special and is valid. And I want you to express that. Like, that's what I want people to know. And so for me, I'm just passionate about letting people know that who you are is important. It's, it's true. It might not be true for others, but that's okay. It doesn't have to be true for others for it to be true to you. And living your life the way that is authentic and true for you is, is what the path is, at least, you know, the human path um, toward authenticity, toward the light, toward the, the truth of, of your, your nature. Obviously, with the idea that you're not hurting anybody else, you're doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I see an authentic person because they have a gift that they're bringing that they don't even know they're bringing until they are able to express it. So I know that's a really long answer, but it is, I'm really passionate about it because I do believe each of us has mm-hmm. our own unique contribution mm-hmm. to the world if we're willing yeah. and able to do that. Yeah. Say it, sister. I love yeah. it. Very Amen. Lovely. Preach. That's right. Preach. <laughs> I think that makes so much sense. And I think beyond that, even like the aspect of feeling that within yourself, but also being so open to everybody in the world, being able to do that for themselves and like having that piece of authenticity as well. So important. So yeah. thank you both for answering that. And that feels like that's in like that spirit of love too, Tara, that you were talking about more so too. And we're like hoping for that for others as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as you both were talking, I was thinking about, um, you know, this being sort of being in that place of authenticity of finally kind of having like discovered the authentic self, right? I think that especially as we're growing up, a lot of that external messaging, Amber, that you're referencing, like it's hard to differentiate between that maybe. So what we're being told, because so many, it's so easy to internalize so much of that. And then even to sift through, you know, what is me and what is just what I've been being told for a really long time. Um, so thinking about just like that journey, even to get to the place where you feel like, okay, this is my true self. What are, um, you know, what are kind of some, questions that you might ask yourself or practices or something kind of along the way in order to really get to a place where you do feel like, okay, this is me. And it's not just sort of what I've been told to be, or, um, yeah, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. I'm going to start Amber. Yeah. uh, So (laughs) it's funny you say that because, um, I think it, I, I think most of us can, can relate to having a life crisis maybe it's an existential crisis where we are suddenly in our own lives questioning everything. And this happened for me when I was 27 years old, I was living in Brazil and I was teaching English. I, you know, I had like a Brazilian boyfriend and, um, you know, I had all these new friends and I was, I was having a great time. Uh, and I, you know, I had to go home. I had to return to the U S cause my visa expired on and on. And I just remember one night I was packing and I was in the bathroom and I absolutely broke down, absolutely had the biggest breakdown of my life. Um, didn't understand what the purpose of life was. What's the point? Why am I here? Is it just to like, I don't know, travel around and teach English. Like that seems so pointless. You know, I had all the questions and all the, um, angst and, crying, you know, asking God for help, asking anything for help. I didn't even care if it was God or not. Like, just help me (laughs) somebody, something or somebody help me. Please, Uh, Yeah. And, and so it was that point where I had, I don't know, a flip switched, um, where, because all those voices that told me, Oh, Amber, everything that you've done, you should be happy. 
you should be fine. You should be good to go. Like, what's your problem? That those voices were finally like kind of getting tuned out. And I was like, oh, there's something inside of me that's actually trying to come forth and give you real. For me, it's real information because it's coming from inside me. It's coming from an internal source source rather than this external source. So, so I think when we have a big old breakdown in our life, it can be the absolutely the best possible thing for us. As long as, you know, we're, we're, we're using this information that's coming up um, toward our greatest good our, our toward our highest self, you know? And, and so that's when my journey really began. I mean, obviously my journey was my whole life, but at 27, I hit a crossroads and I had to go another direction. And that's when the authentic life really started for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I was taken on a journey that only my inner self, my soul could take me on. And it really didn't have anything to do. What was, I mean, obviously things were happening outside of me, but I was trusting what was going on inside of me. And so when we're able to, to kind of have that experience and then follow the direction it leads you in to me, that's what, that's the off, authentic kind of, um, journey, I guess. And so, so yeah, it, a a lot of times it starts with a a crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So true. What about you, Tara? Yeah. You know, as I'm thinking about the journey, I, 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 what I found for myself is that it's been a lifelong journey of discernment, you know, of like really having to listen, listen to myself and to sort out when it's the perfectionist saying, no, 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 you have to prove this and you have to be flawless. And, or when it's the critic saying, you just screwed that up, you know, or maybe it's my pusher saying, go, 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 go do more, higher, faster. Right. So I, I, what for myself, my journey, I think really took hold on making shifts was when I started practicing mindfulness and meditation that quieting myself, quieting, you know, there, there's an incredible book. It's the true source of healing is what it's called. And the the three steps were, um, stillness, silence, and spaciousness to help create that space for healing or for awareness. And it's so true. It's like, I just had, cause I'm a go do, do, do mover and shaker. And so I just had to start practicing being more still allowing for more what I would love to say is quiet, but in the beginning it was just noise, mental, total chatter and noise and all sorts of those out, you know, those voices that I had internalized that weren't mine. And then really being able to discern in the silence because it did eventually become silence. Um, And then being aware of that, you know, that I'm this tiny little speck and I'm, I'm something, a part of something greater than myself. And so I think the combination of those along with just practicing um, loving kindness meditation and, and practicing silence and stillness was huge. Um, but again, like for, for example, too, Amber, my mind came, it was like a health crisis and it's kind of like, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to, I'm, I'm choosing, I mean, I should no, I could, I'm choosing to make a shift. And that's really when, um, I dove in. Well, I feel like both of you are also describing a lot of just it's starting to understand how valid your emotions are in that process and that you're not 
crazy or you're not, you know, the only person in the world that feels this way. And I'm sure both having a big breakdown at the age of 27 and, you know, Tara practice, starting to practice mindfulness on a daily basis can, are both things that can get you going in that direction. Um, but yeah, I feel like just understanding that and being really real with yourself that you're, whatever you feel is a, is a valid emotion. And yeah. And, and I want to add sitting with the discomfort because Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable. And I think we are so good. I myself have been so good at distracting myself from that discomfort. And it's the practice of, of saying, I'm going to sit with this because the truth is in there and it will rise to the surface. Um, But it's those practices, putting that practices into place of Mm -hmm. not distracting myself from busyness or my phone or from, you know, Yeah. worry about worry or you know those kinds mm-hmm. of things totally sorry <laughs> don't worry go ahead <laughs> sorry thing I heard in both of your both of yours was like that it's like when you're sitting with yourself really so whether mm-hmm. that happens as a byproduct of a crisis or whether that's like out of intention intentionality and practicing mindfulness but it's like when you quiet all of the noise that is constantly surrounding us that's either you know, they're regardless, or it's there because we create it because we find ways to have it around us. It's like when you're actually okay, kind of, it's just me and you. <laughs> and yeah, really me, sitting. myself and I. <laughs> yeah, just listening. And, um, and we don't have, uh, yeah, we have to create that space, I think, often. Yeah. Us. yeah, for sure. Terry, I think you sort of began to touch on this a little bit, but we were wanting to revisit a little bit this idea of the um, living above the line. So if you um, could kind of talk a little bit again about for maybe folks who weren't on the webinar, what that what that means, what conscious that consciousness means, and then maybe kind of bringing that back to your um, your point about mindfulness and maybe the role that that can play in yeah. in that conscious leadership. Yeah, absolutely. The the idea of conscious leadership is a paradigm that has been proven that when people embrace it, being intentional around being conscious as a human being, not just as a leader, then it really enhances and enriches the lives of those folks. (laughs) So uh, this incredible group of authors studied this and presented a model, which was the the leadership line, like the leadership model is a line and it's so simple and yet so powerful. The thinking is that in any given moment, we are either above the line or we are below the line. When we are coming from below the line, we tend to be closed off and we tend to be defensive. And that's a pretty normal reaction because we are are we are built to scan for threats, right? That's what our brain is doing all the time. So it's not unusual that we tend to live there. But the question is, can I make the choice to shift and become um, come from above the line? And above the line, we are more open open to ideas, open to share our ideas, open to share our feelings, our needs, those kinds of things. Um, And we are curious. We are curious about what's our own inner experience. We're curious about the situation. We're curious about other people and what's going on for them. Um, And we just ask questions. You know, we sit in the question when we are above the line. The 
one of the, 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 the book is called the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. And what they describe is, um, a commitment is actually what is. So a commitment is not me just saying, I plan to, um, to exercise in 2023, right? That's not the plan. I mean, that's that. So, so what I'm trying to say is like, I say that I want to be active. I'm like, I think I'm going to be active. I'm an active person. And yet I may not do anything. I may sit for my work and not get up and move. I may um, choose to watch movies instead of walk my dog, you know, like, and that's really what I'm committed to because that's the actual result. That's what's happening. So the way that they describe being below the line is that we are committed to being right. And that, that comes from our protective ego or like we're trying to protect our identity, right? So we, we were attached to being right. When we are coming from curiosity and openness, we are committed to learning. So it's that growth mindset that says, okay, this has been my experience. What can I glean from this? Um, what What is going on for this person? Like example that Amber gave of the student, you know, raising their voice. It's like, okay, what's going on for this person? And culturally, what does this mean to this person? Like what, what, you know, why are they going about it this way? Um, so it's, again, it's sitting in the question and being willing to be open to learn um, about ourselves and to learn about the people we work with, the people we live with, the people we parent, <laughs> all of that. So, um, yeah. So, and, and I think what's important to know too, is that either you are either above the line or you are below the line. The key is to become aware, expand our awareness around when we are below the line, because that ultimately immediately moves us above the line because our lizard brain quiets down and our logical brain comes back online. Um, so the drifting down and shifting back to the above the line is really the key. And it's it's really about that awareness, expanding our awareness, which links into the mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm that I have, I have such an active mind. Like there are nights where I think to myself, if people heard all of the ideas and the (laughs) thoughts that I'm having right now, they would think I'm insane, you know? And I'm like, whoa, because I have a really creative, active mind. Mm -hmm. And that only serves me so far (laughs) to, you know, to be a happy, healthy, living my best life kind of gal. Mm -hmm. So the practice the practice for me is, is really, um, as soon as I become aware, um, and this, this is definitely true because I live with two teenagers and, um, (laughs) I have to be aware of my reactivity. And when I notice it, I have to be willing to pause and make a choice. And the only way that I can do that is to be present. It's to be present in that moment. And to be ready to look within, you know, willing to pause and to ask myself, um, willing to be curious about why my daughter is saying this or why my son is doing that. Um, so the mindfulness, and it helps me sleep too, because if my little mind is going, because I'm all sorts of full of ideas then when I practice being present, which I truly believe there, there are two, 
two key ways to get present, in my opinion. The first one is breath. It's deepening our breath into our belly and slowing it down. And there's all sorts of different, the box breath, the four, you know, four, seven, eight. So number one is the breath. And the second one is gratefulness. When our mind, when my mind is running and I, especially if I feel anxiety or fear about something, as soon as I can be present in the moment of what I'm grateful for, it's simple as, you know, I'm grateful for the chair holding me right now. I'm grateful for the light that's shining. I'm grateful that the sun rose, you know, that brings me back to the present moment. And that helps me then be in touch with and aware of what's going on in me so that I can choose to show up to be the person I was meant to be. You know, one of my clients is really focused. Her, one of her top values is patience. Like she wants to be a patient mom. And she started with me like really frustrated and really short fused. And to see her bloom and develop into becoming, I mean, she's like, we, we, we do an end of the year evaluation together. And we were both in tears because of seeing the impact that these practices can have and she's living who she's meant to be, which is loving and present and patient. Mm -hmm. So it's really powerful. That, okay. I went on and on, but I just, <laughs> I just could, I love this. Love this. I feel like you shared a really, um, impactful that like sign that had the five things on it that you shared during the webinar. Yeah. Maybe you can read that again. I feel like that just plays into this so nicely and it's such a good reminder. Yeah. So it's a grounding technique. There's a whole bunch of them. Um, and, and you know, people can Google it and probably get a whole bunch of ideas and some might fit for you than others. Um, one of the, and, and one of the reasons we need a grounding technique is usually because our nervous system is activated and it's like on guard, it's reactive. And that is not me coming from my best self when that is activated. And I have a history of trauma. So that increases the likelihood of that nervous system. So one of the, the techniques that I shared on the webinar is um, a grounding technique and it's called five, four, three, two, one. The first thing we do is we look around and we see five, we name five things we see. If you're alone, you can do it out loud if you want. Um, if you, if you want to do it internally, that's fine too. It works either way. So the first thing is I, I look for five things I can see. Then I look for, I become aware of four things that I can feel, three things that I can hear, two things that I can smell, and one thing that I can taste. So it brings us right to our senses, brings me right into the moment of my senses. And in the process of that, truly, when we start to look for things we see, that's when it begins. It starts immediately. But by the time we get to one, we are present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. love that. Thanks for sharing it again. Yeah. Cause yeah. I feel like it's so easy to, when we're not grounded or in the present, we're basing everything that we're doing on past experiences. Um, and we're not living, yeah, our present self. And so it's very easy to get, wow, derailed by our mm -hmm. own, you know, thoughts and possibilities and that, that you know, because we, we tell ourselves stories all day long. <laughs> it gets us out of the story when we're able to, to, to ground and to just reconnect with our, with our own self. So I like that. That's good. That's a good one.
we want to take a moment to give huge thanks to our two presenting sponsors of the Living Leadership Series, STCU and Integris Architecture. At community organizations throughout the Inland Northwest, STCU employees are leading with intentionality and purpose. They are supported by a Spokane-based credit union that provides time off for volunteerism, abundant leadership development opportunities, and tuition reimbursement as part of a generous benefits package. To learn more about joining a team that's here for good, visit stcu.org. A long-standing contributor to Spokane's built environment, Integris Architecture designs buildings that shape the public realm, including schools, libraries, and popular civic spaces like the Podium and the Hive. After recently coming together with YGH Architecture, Integris now has offices in Spokane, Seattle, and Portland, where they continue to extend their impact throughout the Pacific Northwest, building better communities and supporting environmental and social justice in their work and office cultures. As we're talking about, you know, becoming more grounded and like ways to get ourselves grounded. I feel like what we talked so much about in the webinar is having our needs met on a daily basis. And if our needs are met, all of these things just fall into place so much easier for us throughout the day. Um, so for those of you who, who weren't at the webinar, Amber and Tara shared a list of needs that covered a bunch of different categories um, to just help our audience learn how to identify those needs and um, make sure that they're getting their needs met in a way that helps them live more authentically. And it got me thinking about how we can make sure we're meeting those needs daily and also factor and also the factor of how sometimes it's not as easy as just saying these are my needs and this is how I'm going to meet them but it's like the motivation or the lack thereof that plays a role in getting your daily needs met so I want to talk a little bit about that I mean I know for me sometimes I'm not motivated to move my body or to eat a nutritious meal which are like two of the things for me that I need every single day to make myself feel and be able to act my, as my most authentic self. Mm -hmm. So how does motivation or lack thereof play a role in this? I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that. And how can people just give themselves some grace in that department as well? <laughs> Amber, why don't you start it? Yeah, for me, um, you know, and what, like you said, Emily, I, I think it's a good point is sometimes we don't even know what our needs are. I, I mean, I could be in a really bad mood and be like, what, what, you know? Um, and so it's, it's important to, yeah, just be conscious when you are, are kind of feeling um, below the line, asking yourself, oh man, what, and even just looking at this needs list that we, we shared on the, the, um, webinar, just looking at it and being like, oh, okay, I, I think what I need is, you know, to be understood or to be supported in some way. Um, I love the play because that's one for my kids, you know, mm -hmm. play is huge. It's so important. And just being playful and having fun and not being serious as, especially as a mom is really important for my kids. And so I just have to remember that. Mm -hmm. um, but it, anyway, so, so for me, motivation is always interesting because I could be very easily, you know, Netflix binge watching, you know, a show after a hard day at work, whatever. Um, and sometimes that's okay. Cause sometimes yeah. I, that might be what you need. And I love that. But if I did it every day of the week, it might be too much. Uh, so for me, I know I actually did a, um, 
little test, one of those tests. I, I don't know if you've heard of Gretchen Rubin and her uh, research. Mm-hmm. She did this research on on what motivates people, and there's four different types. I, I I don't have that resource right now, but it just came to mind. And what I learned about myself with that um, test was that I am motivated by being accountable to someone or something else. Mm-hmm. So I'm a super good team member because if my teammate relies on me for something, I'm like, oh my, I will move heaven and earth to make sure that it gets done. Mm-hmm. And um, let's say, you know, I, I'm so another way that you can use this accountability to help you with motivation is let's say you um, plan to work out. I'm the best, I'm the best person to talk myself out of working out. Absolutely. 100%. But if I have somebody else that relies on me to be at the gym with them, then you can bet, you can bet your, you know, whatever that I will be there. Um, And there's this one strategy where they say, actually give each other the other person's shoe before you leave the gym so that you have to give it to them when you go back to the gym. That's great. (laughs) Isn't that fun? So it's like when I can be accountable to someone else that relies on me, then I am motivated. And so I, I learned that about myself. And so now that is something that I employ when I know I want to do something and I need somebody else to kind of help me stay accountable to, to doing that. So exercise is a great one um, as an example for, for me, uh, but there's other ways to, to do that. And, you know, being part of a, a community, any kind of community is really helpful. Um, being part of a group that, um, you know, or a spiritual community, which Tara and I are both a part of, of the same one that, that helps. And I'm really motivated by uh, other, other people. And if they are relying on me for something, then I'm a great um, person for, for, for being there. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. I, I think the, the first step is Claire, you, I obviously stillness and silence and long enough to notice what we need. Um, and then, you know, I can know what I need all day long, but like what you're saying without the motivation, that doesn't really matter. I may not meet my needs. I, um, I'm familiar with, and you might have seen it, the great documentary that Jonah Hill did called Stutz. And it's him interviewing his therapist. And it's so interesting. And this guy, he is so full of incredible ideas. So one of the ideas that he shared that I just think is so helpful because I'm, I can definitely get in a like lack of motivation. I I have a tendency, oh, especially during this season, definitely in winter um, where, you know, I'm more of a bear and that's okay. And there's things that I want to do that I have a hard time motivating myself to do. The way he described it was that um, picture it like you have a string and each action, each step we take, each minor step we take is a pearl and you slip it onto the the string. So you're building the string of pearls. And And the reality is that every pearl is the same size. It's the same importance. Like we kind of neutralize it by seeing that no matter what action I take, it's good. It's enough. This is okay. Um, you know, like when, if I'm really struggling, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to take a shower, but I'm not going to blow dry my hair. You know, like, <laughs> no, I don't have that in me, but I am definitely going to take a shower. Right. So um, that's a pearl. And, and when we can create some neutrality in 
the actions we take and that helps build the I'm enough, like it's enough and I'm enough, then then we're more likely to take action. We're more likely. Um, and, and really when we understand the why, like if I'm aware of the, well, why would I want to take a shower? Well, I feel so much better. I'm fresh. I'm clean. I, you know, it's like a new beginning of the day. And so when I'm aware of, and I pay attention to the why as well, that helps motivate me. And, and actually to that point, human behavior, if we want to motivate other people, always include the because, the why, because our, we are much more likely to react or act when the reasoning is behind it. So when I need to motivate myself, I try to tune into the reasoning on, on why, but that each step is enough. Each step is okay. Yeah, I think that's great advice because so often we're just overwhelming ourselves and it's just not going to be helpful, you know. And it's paralyzing, right? If we yeah, think about totally. all, it's like paralyzing. So, mm-hmm. well, and especially <laughs> Yeah, and especially if you think, you know, cuz I think sometimes as humans we get this grand idea, oh, I need to do this big huge hurricane thing. Right. It's like, no, actually, and then you're just like, oh, I give up. No. So the, you know, small little pearls is good. Mm-hmm. It's just one tiny little action. Mm-hmm over a course of time. And then you kind of add to that and you, you congratulate yourself. You give your, you know, you let yourself know that, wow, you're doing it. Good job. And you have to almost reparent yourself, right? Like you have to re um, kind of change the, the synapses in your brain to help you stay, you know, motivated really. And it's just tiny, tiny actions are huge, huge in the long run. I love that, Amber, that you just mentioned that uh, the idea of like congratulating ourselves because we are so quick, so much quicker at, especially when I'm working with a, a, a client that's trying to improve how they present, they'll present. And as soon as they're done, their initial instinct is like, I didn't do this. I forgot to say that I meant to do this. Was I moving my hands too much? You know, it's, it's like immediate. And yet, if we can retrain our brain to focus on the celebrations. So my first thing is, what'd you do right? I want to hear a list and they have to dig. They usually have to pause for a while and dig. But the reality is that's where I want them to start. And I start all of my client sessions that my, my business coach gave me this idea and I love it. I start all of my sessions with celebrations. So we're shining the light on what it is they're doing that is filling their cup. That is, showing that they're living from their values that is showing the growth that they're having and then we go from there because in there they're meeting their own they're meeting their needs and we identify those they're using practices and tools to manage their emotions to expand their awareness all that and so in that process of celebrating it's it's like a whole new beginning of how we look at everything and it would just we're so i mean we have the brain wired to look for like the problems, right. And the fears and the concerns and that kind of thing. But um, it's, it's our gift as the human race to be able to pause and say, hold on, I'm going to do this differently. What did I do well? And then to try to bring neutrality and say, okay, here's what I did well. And this is where I think the above the line comes in too. It's like, I'm going to create and practice a sense of neutrality so that I can then learn from it and say, all right, what did I do well? What do I want to do differently next time? Okay, I just learn from my experience as opposed to being paralyzed by the shoulda, woulda, coulda. That comes back to that mindfulness 
piece too of practicing mm-hmm. non-judgment, right? So the the whole idea of, of looking at yourself sort of objectively, mm-hmm. which is so hard to do, right? But but um in that spirit of being able to say, okay, yes, like the, the neutral holds that neutrality and not have the good, bad judgment or not being, you know, qualifying everything that we said or did. Yeah. Um, but it's practice. Yeah. We call that the witness. So when I work with my clients, we develop the witness and Mm. witness mode. We say shift it into witness mode. (laughs) And that really does help create that neutrality. And and then that neutrality, I think, helps lead us to getting in touch with our authentic voice, you know, Mm -hmm. our authentic need, our authentic feeling, you know, um, our our authentic self. Yeah. So. I guess I, I would like to talk about like, what if w- in the, the scenario that your authentic self is extremely angry or like what if yeah. authentic self is super stressed or like really anxious or has a ton of doubt or fear or whatever it may be. And it just becomes like so hard to be your authentically positive self, I guess. Um And I feel like when you get in that space, you can really get into a rhythm of questioning yourself a lot. Um, and it can be a rabbit hole, but, um, mm-hmm. I would love to talk about those like times when you're just feeling such strong emotions and like how to like get back to your authentic self a little bit, um, and why negative emotions aren't always bad. And like, really just kind of like how to navigate that whole thing. Because I think when you're, when you're talking about your authentic self, like your mind goes to like a more positive place, but like in reality, like life has its ups and downs and like, it's okay to have these more um, negative moments, I guess. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Can I start with that, Amber? Yeah, please. I just, this is my, like, this is my gig. I love it. So <laughs> the, the reality is my reality. <laughs> my reality is that there are no negative emotions. Emotions are just emotions mm-hmm. and that our authentic self isn't about being positive. Our authentic self is about being real. Mm-hmm. So I, if I'm going to be authentic in my relationship, whether it's a coworker or my husband, I know that it's all okay. It's all welcome. Mm-hmm. And honoring that in myself allows me to move through it much quicker than the whole resistance game, which I did for so many years yeah. was like, no, I'm a positive person. I'm not supposed to be feeling this way. No, I, this is what's wrong with me, you know? Mm-hmm. And yet the reality is that, you know, you, you, you watch a little infant and their little roller coaster of emotion and they just go through it, they express it, and then they move into giggle again, right? After they've cried. Yeah. Um, and I mean, oddly enough, I think we as adults have learned to kind of clamp down, shut it down, you know, mask and hide and shift and, you know, and so I, I believe that it's really, that it's being with that discomfort again, because- you know, if somebody is really um, doesn't want to be, let's say, intimate and they're vulnerable, it's like, okay, well, I want to build connection and strengthen my relationships and I'm going to sit with that discomfort. Um, I'm going to sit with the discomfort of my feelings that I'm not used to, you know, like, um, like somebody might use humor as a way to get away from and avoid those uncomfort- mm-hmm. uncomfortable feelings. So, and and some people might be uncomfortable in joy, like joy might be uncomfortable for them. Mm-hmm. And yet they may have an intention to express more joy and they might want to, you know, identify and ways, thoughts that they can have and practices they can get into 
to develop that part because authentically we have joy in us. Authentically, we have sadness in us. Authentically, we have fear, right? We have um, anticipation, those kinds of things. So um, I I think, and and it's a practice and it, it is, and depending on somebody's background of what their family culture was like, what they, you know, what got reinforced, like shut her down. I don't want to see the tears, you know? Okay. Goodbye sadness. Right. So, um, yeah. So to me, they're all the same. They're all good. They're all like the equal same pearl and Mm -hmm. it's becoming aware of them and being able to name them Mm -hmm. and then be able to be with them and then make choices from there. Yeah. I feel like it's so easy to forget when you're in like the, I'm not trying to use negative anymore, I guess. (laughs) When you're in the emotions that are more hard to deal with, I feel like it's so easy to forget that it's temporary and that like, you know, it will pass. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's really good, Tara. I agree. I agree with what you're, you're sharing as far as emotions are neutral and in a lot of ways, because we all experience them and it's typically what we do, Mm -hmm. how we react out of those strong emotions that can kind of, um, you know, be below the line or, or above, you know, and for me, it's same. It's, it's, when I am feeling a strong emotion, because anger tends to be mine, kind of like my go-to um <laughs> i i feel like anger is trying to send me a message so mm-hmm. so when i feel that strong kind of trigger i have to i have to you know pause and and okay what message is this this response or this this emotion wanting to send me um and of course i nine times out of 10, how hard is it to stop and be like, Oh, what are you trying to tell me anger? It's hard. It's not easy. Like you have to be conscious. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I found is that I'm a lot less angry because I did the practice of kind of listening to, to the message at that moment. Like what's really happening under the surface, Mm -hmm. you know? Okay. Somebody just cut me off in traffic, but what is behind that? Because there's some sort of triggering event that happened at some point that I have not healed. And so it's, it is a message to, for healing Mm -hmm. and an opportunity to go back and try to work, work that out. Um, Or for me, what I've found is that it's an opportunity to set some sort of boundary that I didn't have before Mm -hmm. that, that often happens, right? Because boundaries are really our friend and they can be done in kindness and consciousness uh, for yourself and others. Um, it might not feel great and it might be awkward, but it is so helpful. It is so helpful mm-hmm. for yourself and the other person, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found in my life over the years is that now it, it's almost like I have a kind of a natural boundary um, force field mm-hmm. where people don't really cross my boundaries very often. And it's really nice. And I really like it. (laughs) Yeah, I really like it. I'm really happy with that. Um, And so anyway, but yeah, I feel like there's messages in there. There's opportunities to to set a boundary or to kind of inquire as to, you know, what needs to happen so that, you know, this this thing that this strong emotion is trying to tell me something. So I need Mm -hmm. to go inward, you know, doing some some meditation or mindfulness practice to figure it out, because when we ignore it or, you know, I use, I'm great at deflecting like, Oh, let's talk about something else. Let's change the subject. Let's not (laughs) delve into that. Um, 
because it will keep coming up in different ways, oh, yeah. in different oh, formats, yeah. in different. I mean, it will continue to happen until you face it or deal with it or or allow it to to guide you in whatever way it's it's trying to guide you. But it's a lifelong thing too. It's not like it ends. Yeah. Um, it's a lifelong yeah. learning opportunity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there's another resource that I almost shared during the webinar, but I'll mention it and people can look it up. Um, I've adapted it a little bit with the work I've done, but um, the the feeling is a clue of our needs. So when I am calm and I am patient and I'm feeling loving and I'm creative and like my needs are being met, right? Mm -hmm. So when my needs aren't being met, that's usually when I'm irritated. That's when I'm impatient. That's when I'm discouraged. That's when I have really low energy. So in my mind, I think of it all as feedback and it's feedback to say, okay, what do I need? It's feedback to say what, um, you know, what is going on in me that I can make a choice around to empower myself to, to shift out of this. So to me, it's even, you know, and I think the grounding techniques and those kinds of things can help bring us from a 10 down to like a two or three, right. And then hopefully around like two or three on the scale, we're able to then identify and say, okay, what are my, what are my needs right now? So it's a really great resource that, that can, and I I usually have my clients identify like what feelings, what are your go-tos, right? What are your go-tos on each of these sides? And where do you want to expand and develop? You know, like, um, well, this person is usually, pretty serious or stoic. And they're like, I want to be more playful. I want to express that more and experience that more. So it's a great resource um, to say it just points towards your needs are either met or they're not met. And identifying those is huge for being empowered and being able to be the kind of person we want to be. Yeah. I feel like we've kind of been, you know, we've been talking about this, um, some in moments like in relationships with, with others, right? Like we've talked about at the workplace and thinking about, you know, our, our theme being building better communities and thinking about how this kind of plays into it. Um, so just maybe like more explicitly around how do you think we can bring others into this journey of us living our best lives? And then how can we support others maybe in doing and doing the same? Mm-hmm. I think when we give ourselves permission to live our authentic life and to be who we are here to be other people feel that permission too, because maybe you're bucking some sort of system and you're doing it like, well, this is me. And and I, I can't tell you how much I admire people that are just 100% themselves in a culture that can really come down on you. Mm-hmm. To me, that is, I don't know. Sometimes it, it, it overwhelms me with emotion because it's like, How authentic is that? Like, I just appreciate it so much in other people. Or, you know, when I see someone who's willing to just cry, I just, I, I, I don't know what it is. I, I want, I, I admire that person. It's not like I want to care for them. It's not, I I just observe it. And I think, wow, good for you for being exactly who you are, because it is not easy. It is very easy to be what other people expect you to be. Um, and it's very hard to be, you know, so giving yourself permission to be who you are meant to be and 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 for it to be counter to the culture around you is huge. And that is what gives people 
the permission to do it themselves mm-hmm. without, you know, without even them saying it, just being who you are gives people that permission. And then obviously like it, for me, it's, it's also just allowing other people to express themselves in a way that, and to understand it, not to react to it, but to understand it, or at mm-hmm. least try to understand it and ask questions and be conscious um, mm-hmm. in their presence. I think that also is really beneficial to to helping cultivate it in other people, an authentic life. Um, and, and again, yeah, asking questions to others about themselves and who they are, because a lot of people don't don't do that. You know, it's funny how much we often want to talk about ourselves, but not always are we willing to to ask people about themselves in a really curious and authentic way. But for me, I, I love doing that. And I can see that it really helps people feel, um, seen. Yeah. 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 And I'm going to piggyback right on that because my thought immediately was, um, the more that I practice a skill, the more that people can experience that. And the more I'm familiar with and tuned into and connecting with myself, the better I'm going to be at connecting with other people. So what I do now is I listen for the underlying feeling. I, and I ask them, you know, like, Hey, you sound a little irritated. Is that true? And you know, like, yeah, I'm so pissed. Right. Okay. So they're expressing good, get it out. Right. And then it's like, Oh, okay. All right. So it sounds like maybe you, maybe you needed respect in that situation. Like, oh yeah, they were so disrespectful. Okay. So, you know, so we, we explore it and it's a way to really, I, I think it's a way to model it by um, sharing it, right. By sharing the joy of being able to put words to your, what's going on, right. Words to your reaction, words to um, words to what you need. And so I think that's one of the best ways. Now, when I first, when I came out of graduate school, I was younger and I was like, I'm going to teach my whole family this. And I want everyone to start behaving this way. And it's like, you know, correct, 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 correct. It's like, yeah, no. Um, But, but giving them the gift of letting them have the space to express themselves and to be the kind of listener that listens with openness and curiosity and is listening to learn and understand that I think is the greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. Totally. Living in that space of showing and not telling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think we could talk about this for hours. I know, really. Right? Yeah, I would too. I yes. had no idea it's at the end of our time, but all of a sudden it is. So <laughs> thank you both so much for being willing to join us for this conversation and take a few hours out of your busy lives to do this with us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, and I feel like we had a great conversation today. So um, once again, to everybody listening, just a reminder that you can um, catch the live webinar on our website and this podcast will also be there as well as our Spotify, gonzaga.edu slash webinars. Um, 
And next time we're gonna be talking about diversity, inclusion and community strategies for inclusive leadership. That'll be on February 8th um, from 12 to 1 p.m. the live webinar and then again, follow up podcast afterwards. So you can catch that there. Um, each time we do these, we like to leave by asking um, both of our presenters a, just a kind of like a fun closing question. Um, so before we go, I'd love to ask you both, what is making you feel the most energized right now? For me, it's this conversation and uh, just, you know, sharing with an audience things that um, have helped me in my life. I mean, it feels really good to be heard. So thank you for, mm -hmm. for listening and for giving me the opportunity because I, I do love this topic and I, and I really appreciate, and I love Gonzaga. So um, I'm feeling energized by this conversation and by Gonzaga and all that you do for leadership studies. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm feeling energized by just being with all of you and connecting around this topic that is so near and dear to my heart at Gonzaga, which is near and dear to my heart with Kelsey and Emily and Amber, <laughs> who are near and dear to my heart. So um, to me, it's just the the perfect, perfect, lovely storm of um, talking about something that I have seen from myself and from all the people I've worked with, how this can shift somebody's life experience. and. Mm -hmm just how important it is, um, not only for our own experience, but to, to be an influencer that is helping people shift their experience in life. Right. And so they're not stuck or victimized or, um, you know, just to help them find their voice and empowerment. So I just love it. I just get so excited about it. And you're right, Kelsey, we could just sit here and talk all day. So yes. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having us. I really yes, appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. We appreciate yeah. it so much. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We will see you next time. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.